Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on this week's episode, I talk with my longtime partner in ministry, the Pastor Kenny Ellis, about a new series that we're working on in the book of Galatians. We hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, so we're here with uh, Kenny Ellis, uh, the other associate here at FPC Lakeland, and this is our very first uh, attempt at a podcast that uh, we're doing here at First Presbyterian Church. just thought it would be a good idea um, to just talk about uh, our preaching, what the, the preaching that God's given us to do, um, give you give us an opportunity to kind of talk about some things in the sermons that we don't normally get to talk about, and uh, and so we're going to jump in today with a new series that we just started uh, at the time of this recording yesterday, uh, Sunday, uh, July fourteenth, two thousand nineteen, in the book of Galatians. Uh, say hello, Kenny. Hey. So everybody knows that you're hey, here. Hey. <laughs> and uh, before we get into it, just uh, we, we are recording this uh, in the offices here at First Presbyterian Church, and there is some construction going on next door. They're doing some carpet rip-ups, so if you hear weird stuff like that, just know that this is a living, breathing church, and lots of cool stuff happens all the time uh, relative especially to the building, so um, that's what you'll be hearing. So, so Kenny, let's talk about how we have approached um, series in general. You and I have been preaching together for almost six years. Yep, which Golly, is, that's crazy. It's I know. And we've done a lot of uh, shared series. We've done a lot of different types of series. We've done books of the Bible. We've done characters of the Bible. We've done kind of topical things. What, what, let's talk, what, what do you, which ones do you, what are the advantages of each, each type that we've done before? What, what do you think about that? Well, uh, I guess, <clears throat> I mean, one thing just to note is that some churches are explicitly one style or yeah. another. They pick one and they have their basis or their theological conviction as to why that's the case. One of the things I've, I've uh, liked about our approach is that we see benefits to all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the expositional where you go, like we're doing, for example, in this series where we pick a book of the Bible and we just kind of try to stick to... The flow of the book, not necessarily verse by verse, but definitely you know chapter by chapter, picking the big ideas. Um, that part of what I like about that style is it, it helps people know how to read their own Bibles. Yeah, absolutely. And to not just kind of cherry pick a verse that they like or something they see on a bumper sticker, but they learn how to understand a whole book. That there's an author, there's an audience. Then they kind of figure that out and and catch the whole big idea of a book. So that's part of the thing. Guys, one of the benefits of kind of a, a, a book of the Bible type approach. Yeah. When I, I when I went to seminary, that was like, it was like expositional was it, you know, mm-hmm. that, that expository, that anything else was not really um, in keeping with the scripture. And I, I, I appreciate that. I also understand that, you know, sometimes life doesn't fit those, those kind of clear narratives. So it's helpful to do mm-hmm. those. I like, I like getting into the into the history of each book, especially when you're approaching something like the book of Galatians, because there's a ton of history that's explicit 
in in the book itself and yeah. and you can kind of go back and and um, read the book of Acts and and even even kind of draw some parallels in what was happening in the narrative versus how Paul is actually addressing some of the situations that that you yeah. read about in in the book of Acts so I, I really love that when you start a new series um, when we've started new series how, what is your kind of approach to the beginning especially like a let's talk about an expositional type series like Galatians what do you do first when you're when you're reading or when you're going at it well I mean definitely getting the as much access to the backstory as we can through commentaries and other resources to try to just help us better best understand what the historical situation was, who the author was, um, who they're writing to, what was the circumstances, um, doing all that back story work, and then reading it several times. I mean, the nice thing is you pick a short book like Galatians, <laughs> yeah. you, you can read the whole book several times because it's so short yeah. versus, I guess, if you were doing like Acts or Exodus, it's mm -hmm. tough to feel like you can read that several times. But um you know, reading it through, and then and then trying to think about, okay, what's the, what's the message of this book? Where does that click with or interface with what's happening in the lives of the people at our church? Yeah. And 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 sometimes that's, I mean, you'd think that would be easy, but the problem is you look out and you think we have three different services. Yeah. You know, seven hundred people, and so how? What are the issues that all those people are facing, and how does this connect? And so some of that's, I think, part partly why the teamwork approach is good because you you see and interact with certain segments of our church mm -hmm. that I don't mm -hmm. so you bring a sensitivity to certain issues that I may not see that helps us better connect kind of what we're looking at in Paul's letter in mm -hmm. this example to what they're doing and then try to explore you know what are the themes we think are going to really resonate with and click with our congregation and three for us now especially in this season where we're at um, you know, for many years, you and I were pretty much exclusively in our modern worship service in Vine, and that that's a different sensitivity mm -hmm. than when you're preaching in our more traditional classic service. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's interesting about this series and the last couple series that we've done is, you know, you'll be preaching one sec segment in one of the services, and I'll be preaching one segment in the other, and then we'll we'll switch. Mm -hmm. And that's been kind of a an interesting yeah. uh, exercise, at least for me to see kind of like, man, you really do have to make not just the historical adjustments, um, you know, what we called when I was in seminary, it was like you make the epical adjustment, right, from from whatever the author is writing to the, 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 the first audience, you know, like in this case, the Galatian church, then you're making that jump to like modern audiences. Mm -hmm. And then for us, you're making a jump between uh, different maybe even especially you know just biblical literacy and and people's uh kind of individual life stations you know that that all those kinds of things would make it really interesting and i think sometimes yeah sometimes the biggest challenge well but i think that's why uh i like that because it's it shows you that what makes a sermon good is not necessarily the sermon itself but it's the if, it's how effective was it at reaching the people you're actually mm -hmm. preaching to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can go online, especially now, you've got access to almost oh, so many thousands. sermons, you know, yeah. per day you could catch. Uh, you could just, for example, Google sermons on Galatians 1, and you might say, well, man, that was a powerful sermon. That was amazing. 
But then think about, but if that sermon was preached in our context, it may have fell flat because yeah. it didn't it didn't take into consideration our people, people uh, that we know. And so I, I like the I like the the challenge and the privilege of of crafting sermons for not only FPC but whatever particular worship yeah. service we're in. I think that's a that's a, a cool responsibility um, to get to think through that level of thoughtfulness. Yeah. Know, about who you're preaching to. But it's always interesting to me the people that come up after or you get emails or whatever and what stuck out to certain people mm-hmm. about the, the message. So let's get into this past Sunday, yesterday's uh, message. And, and you and I took, uh, we were basically in the same uh, set of verses. You were Galatians 1, 1 through 9. I did Galatians 1, 3 through 10. Um, so let's talk about that. What, what, um, talk about your kind of approach, what you saw in the message, uh, both yesterday and things that maybe you didn't get to tackle that were there that you're like, mm-hmm. man, if I'd had, you know, another 20 minutes or whatever, we, we could have really dived into this. Yeah. Well, the challenge of the first week for both of us, as you begin a series like this, is that you have to set aside time to, to build as much of that backstory as you can, mm-hmm. which is important. Um, but it, 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 de- it definitely changes how much time you have to spend on application and really making it relevant. But, you know, th- what's, it, it is interesting to see, um, even after a sermon like that, where you preach and you think, man, so I, w- I basically went after um, the, the dynamic between um, the Galatian believers having been told by Paul that there's a the free grace of the gospel that, that the yeah. gospel in its essence is that Jesus came to do what we could not do for ourselves yeah. and it's free it's mm-hmm. no strings attached and, and it's then, a rescue I, that was yeah, yeah, one of yeah. the big points it was a rescue you know you yep. can't I, you, one of the illustrations you used is when you're, you're talking about you see someone who's drowning do you jump in after them or do you throw them a manual on how to swim yeah right and that's not what, you know, Jesus didn't just throw us the Bible and say, learn to swim yep. or, or rescue yourself. Yep. You know, he, he jumped into the water. Yeah. 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 And so that the just that idea that that's what they'd heard. But then this this these this historical group of Judaizers who'd come from a Jewish background who, who themselves were still trying to figure this out. You mm-hmm. know, in some ways you could villainize them and say, yeah. oh, those evil Judaizers. But you think about what a radical thing that was for them yeah. to hear the message of grace but they were still erring on the side of law and, and you had to add all these other things, the mosaic laws and traditions and so forth. And so I kind of went at just the idea of what's the, what's the basic gospel message and um, when we try to add things to our salvation that it, it, it compromises, it's no longer the gospel, yeah. it's, it's, it's no longer grace. And so I kind of went after that vertical what is it that it takes to be saved and to accept the, the, the gospel as free grace? And, and, and I tried to explore that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and see, and it was interesting because I, when I came into the, to the series, I, I kind of, I've, I've preached from this, these passages before, and I've always thought of it in this vertical kind of way. Um, and obviously that's a huge part of the, the Galatian um, theme but then I approached it from the more horizontal. You know, it's yeah. the, it's, it's adding to the gospel can cause, can create temptations where we exclude people on yeah. the basis of something that's other than yeah. the gospel. 
And that's the real, to me, I think they're the, both sides of the temptation to add to the gospel to either A, we start to feel guilty about our own mm-hmm. righteousness in, in, a, in an invalid way because Jesus' work on the cross is complete. Or like you said uh, in your message, the other side of the coin is we get the sense of self-righteousness that I'm better than, and that creates all sorts of tension with people that don't measure up to whatever my view of the gospel is. Mm -hmm. And we don't, I think we don't do that, maybe we do, I don't think most of us do that consciously, right? It's just unconscious sort of, yeah, Jesus, cross, empty tomb, that's awesome, but... Yeah. You got to tick off these yeah. these marks. You know, you got to have this, you know, kind of, uh, you know, this kind of uh, social standing, or you've mm-hmm. got to have this uh, political ideology. And and I've seen it on both sides of the political mm-hmm. aisle. You know, like yeah. I'm hyper conservative, and and that's what it means to be a Christian. Or I'm, you know, I'm hyper grace filled, kind of progressive, whatever. Yeah. And that's what it means to be a Christian. If you don't fall into that category. Uh, you have no fellowship with with me, and the by extension Jesus Christ too. So yeah. it was it was interesting to see that we yeah. we both hit the, the 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 gospel part, but the application of of the addition the 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 danger of adding to the gospel has both of those consequences yeah. pretty significantly. Yeah, they're connected because you can't. <clears throat> The, however you perceive your standing is established with God, that becomes the way you see other people. So mm-hmm. if you think your relationship with God is based on certain rules or checklists, you default to that's how you see other people. Yeah. Uh, you know, Paul Miller talks about the, he just has a simple definition for legalism, which we tend to think of legalism as it's, it's an attempt to gain favor mm-hmm. or love from God by obedience, sure. by rules. And he says that that's true, but then there's the, the horizontal version of that is we relate to people mm-hmm. through those same set of rules. Yeah, And so that's, and I thought that was a perfect, when you, you kind of explored that and talking about who's sitting next to us yeah. in church and yeah. how do we, are we glad mm-hmm. that they're there or have we already figured out, well, that's a category of people that I don't feel comfortable with. Yeah. And so that's a perfect, another great, but that just shows you once again, there, there's an original so meaning, much. but the implications of it are, are huge. Vast. Yeah. Well, and it was interesting, but you know, when I looked at this, I, you know, I, I, I may have read that grace and peace to you. I don't know, hundreds of times reading the book of Galatians. And I always think of it as that kind of greeting, you know, mm-hmm. grace and peace. It's like, hi, hey, how you doing? Yeah. But that really is the that's the that's the the goal or that's the the result of the gospel message that we experience the grace of god we experience the peace mm-hmm. of god but only in so far as we relate to the gospel on its terms not our terms yeah. and yeah. when we when we fail to experience that grace and peace then we somewhere along the line we've added to the gospel message mm-hmm. And uh, it can happen in, in a variety, a variety of different ways. Yeah. Um, what do you think, you know, you're talking about adding to the gospel. What do you think are, the, are some of the, the biggest temptations for us adding to the gospel? I mean, what do you, like when we've seen people, and maybe in your own life, like, man, I've added this or this or this to the gospel in terms of either how I see myself before God or how I see others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, I, I can just uh, I can just speak personally. For me, the the, the trap for me is going to be um, my devotional life. 
Yeah. Uh, and I don't know if that's because I don't, I don't even necessarily think that's because I'm a pastor. Mm-hmm. I think that just, uh, that can make it, that the expectation can seem a little higher because there's not only is there a sense that I think I ought to be reading my Bible and praying, mm-hmm. but I think most people in the church would say, yeah, we'd like for you to read your Bible and pray too, pal, because you're the pastor. <laughs> that's right. Well, um, so we are paying you for it. <laughs> yeah. But, e- but even, but even if I weren't, I think that would still be the place where I would want to try to use that as a, as a, a way of feeling better about my standing with God. Like if I've prayed, if I've read my Bible, if I've done those spiritual disciplines, for some reason, still uh, unconscious, that's like, okay, that, that makes me okay today. That I think God really is impressed with that. I think mm-hmm. he likes that I did that. And therefore, I feel like my standing with him is more secure. Yeah. Um, so that, that would be where my, my vulnerability to add that to mm-hmm. the grace. Yeah, for me, it, it comes, I, I, again, I think it has something to do with being a pastor. But uh, I, you know, growing up in, as a pastor's kid, I think just inherently it's, um, it's all the outward things. You know, for me, it's the church attendance stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, and it's not so much me because I'm here all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but I definitely, I definitely, I judge, I, 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 there's a part of me that wants to judge others who mm. don't show up, you know, and I, yeah. and, and that whole kind of adage of the, you know, you can't be on a baseball team if you don't show up to practice in the games, right? That, that always sticks with me, but understanding that that's not necessarily how, well, it's not, not even not necessarily, that's not how God approaches approaches people mm-hmm. and and I think for for both of those the devotional life thing and the you know the the church attendance and the tithing and all that those are good things mm-hmm. and so the I think the um, the challenge that that we face individually but I think also in communicating this to others is understanding the disciplines and the spiritual practices and all the devotional life and the and the sharing you know communion together and common worship those are important things but they they don't mm-hmm. change your standing before God. Yeah. It's an outgrowth of your standing before yeah. God. And it's I always find that to be a challenge. Yeah. Not to preach a gospel of works, but to preach um, a gospel that that then has as an outgrowth works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what James talks about, you know, in, in, in and actually Paul gets to that later on, you know, mm-hmm. in the at the end of Galatians he talks about the freedom, but then he talks the works of the flesh versus the works of the spirit, and so it's always that 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 tough. That well, tough and that's thing. what was that's that's what was hard yesterday was knowing I couldn't get to that. Like, yeah, I just didn't have the time to say. Oh, and by the way, if you're thinking to yourself, well, yeah, but what about aren't any of these things other things important? Yeah, they are, but they just don't contribute to your salvation. Uh, I was listening to another pastor, and he he looked at um, the the word for um, I think it was the word for perverting the gospel, where mm-hmm. Paul says you, you, they're distorting and perverting the gospel, yeah. and, and that somehow in the original Greek that word kind of meant reversing the order of. Yeah, and it was just this idea that it's not that it's not that works are not a part of the Christian life. Yeah, it's just if you get them out of order, they don't come first. It's grace saves you. Yeah, works are a demonstration that you have experienced grace. Yeah, but they don't secure your salvation or add to it. But I just thought that was an interesting way of thinking about it. the way you've perverted the God and the way we perverted is we put works on the front end. Yeah to achieve salvation versus seeing them as a response to salvation. Yeah. But it was tough not going there yesterday because you feel 
that there are people in the room who are saying, yeah, but always doesn't this stuff matter? Doesn't yeah. the other stuff? And I'm like, yeah, it does matter. And we're going to get there. And like you said, Paul gets the, he, he anticipates it mm-hmm. and he does get there in chapter five. So. Well, and I think that's why series are, mm-hmm. at least for me, the, the series are much more powerful and, and, you know, why doing, you know, why having s- sermons available online so people can go back and if they've missed something they can catch. Yeah. Because with it, it, anytime you hear a message or you read a scripture kind of out of context, if you don't kind of think there's more, you can, you can so easily fall into yeah. the trap of, of distorting, um, distorting the truth. But say, oh, well, you know, I'm just, you know, and that's what, you know, how, how at the end Paul does say, this is, this is the total package, right? Mm-hmm. This is not, and he even says in Romans, you don't use your freedom to sin. Yeah. And he does the same sort of thing in, in, the, in Galatians at the end and in the final chapters. Um, it's one of the things that I appreciate probably more about the book of Galatians, and, and we got to it yesterday, is how incredibly raw Paul is mm-hmm. about the seriousness of what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm in the middle of, of prepping for a class on C.S. Lewis, and C.S. Lewis is really big about the mere Christianity and not the theology parts, and, you know, and, and, and that's great. Um, and so he, Paul is not, you know, when it comes to what does the gospel mean, mm-hmm. he is radically, like, he wants people to be extremely sure that they've got yeah. got this right. This The, the idea, you know, he, when he says, um, you know, he, he doubles down, uh, in verse um, 7 and 8, um, talking about there's not really another uh, gospel, but there are some who trouble you want to distort. But even if we, so he includes himself, and then mm-hmm. he includes angels. If we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Then he doubles down in verse 9, as we said before, now I say it again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. And that word, that accursed, that that word anathema, it's not just, uh, you know, we're going to give them the middle finger or something. This mm-hmm. is destruction from God. I mean, he's talking about eternal destruction. Yeah. That's the weight. And he's not just casting dispersions on the Judaizers. He says, look, if you start hearing me talk differently, or if you get some divine, what you feel, what you think is a divine revelation from an angel that's contrary to this gospel, yeah. Um, what what do you, what what do you make of that the severity of that statement? Well, I think it's because he knows that um, people's eternities are hanging in the balance. That it, it, you know, it's because it's one thing to say, well, yeah, there's all these different churches, and we all have kind of different theological beliefs, and some people think you have to be baptized with water, you know, full immersion versus sprinkling, or some people believe in speaking in tongues, and others don't. And to me, I look at those as like, well, those are peripheral issues mm-hmm. where there is, there's room for a different opinion or different takes on it. You can interpret the Bible a little bit differently on those things. But none of those are eternal consequence. Mm-hmm. Um, where here, Paul's dealing with something that says, this, is an, this has eternal consequences because if you abandon the true gospel mm-hmm. and you embrace a false gospel, you've lost Grace, you, yeah. you, you no longer have access to the actual only means of salvation. Yeah, and so I think he feels like he he really has to go to bat 
to defend not only the gospel but to but these these young Christians that he's seen embrace the gospel. I think he's super protective. Yeah. Um, but not because of him. I, that's the one thing you could get thrown off in is you know when he starts with Paul, an apostle sent not from men but by God. Yeah. It makes it sound like he's making a big deal out of himself. Yeah. But he's really not. He's just trying to authenticate the credibility of the message he yeah. gave and say, that's what matters. Yeah. I mean, forget me, like you said, if I even if I mess up and, and say mm-hmm. something else, forget it. Mm-hmm. And so it's really not about Paul, but it's about that message. And, and it, because it has eternal consequences, I just think he's he wants to be very clear. Yeah. This matters. Well, and the interesting thing, too, is is I, I, I touched on it a little bit in my message yesterday, but it, it didn't dawn on me until reading Galatians again for the, the, the sermon, um, that the, the false teaching that the Galatians are dealing with comes from these uh, Jewish Christians. Mm-hmm. And I, what was interesting is that Paul kind of condemns these Jewish Christians, but then he goes and talks about his own Judaism, mm-hmm. right? So it's almost to say, if anybody would be on the side of false teachers, it would be Paul, mm-hmm. right? If anybody was gonna say, yeah, you need to be Jewish first. Yes, you need to follow these laws. Paul would have been the prime mm-hmm. candidate because he was on this up and coming track, you know, to be this hyper, you know, Jewish leader. Mm-hmm. And he's he throws all of that away, all of that away because he's had this unbelievable experience of grace. Mm-hmm. He's heard the very nature of the gospel from God himself, from from the the words of Jesus himself. He talks about the three years that he spent basically under the tutelage of, of Jesus himself by the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and he, I, it's interesting to me that he does this right after he condemns the, the falsity of the these, these Judaizers, because mm-hmm. he would have been, I think, the most tempted mm-hmm. to be a Judaizer. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, if he could have like retained all of the acum or all of the, the the accolades of his former life and then just added Jesus to it, man, he'd have been a superstar. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and all half of his well, all of it, but at least half of his persecution or the persecution he faced would have probably gone by the wayside. Yeah, you know, because the Jewish people would have been like, oh, okay, well, you're wrong, but you know, at least you're still not eating pork or whatever. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, but that that to me I think was so interesting but how how strongly yeah. he condemns these Judaizers and um, and and what that the power that that means mm-hmm. um, it's gonna be interesting as we get into next uh, next weeks uh, because yeah. I think it's some of the most uh, interesting verses in any of the Pauline letters as he takes on uh, Peter and uh, next week uh, Brian will be here because uh, Brian Morgan our student ministry director will be uh, leading in vine and uh, so we'll have him here talking through uh, chapter two a little bit and then we'll then Kenny will be back for chapter three so Kenny thanks for hanging out and uh, we'll do this again all right man yep thanks so much